let me just insert a quick note here and say that the following topic has nothing to do and no impact on plans or future publishing work related to FM perception or FM comparison. This is my old company that I used to do a lot of stuff with and I haven't been substantively involved in it in years. So FM perception and FM comparison are safe. And with that in mind, Welcome to Project Update, a podcast about the projects we're working on and the companies we're shutting down. I'm Dave Ramsey. And I'm Joe Simpson. How's it going this week, Joe? Pretty good. New project. New project. Yay! That's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what you got, Joe? So I started a new project that is, this thing has been on my someday maybe list for about four years. And... I kept overthinking ways to do it. So I decided to turn this into a project finally, but not do it in a technical way. So the project is called Mildly Amusing Words. And basically I am like a human Markov generator. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes just stupid, annoying combinations of words show up in my head involuntarily. And I've been keeping them to myself, but now I'm going to force them on the rest of the world. <laughs> so that is where my late amusing words came from. Um, it has a website, it has a Twitter account, it has an Instagram account, and eventually it'll have some other stuff as well. But this is a non-technical project for Joe. I wanted something that's not just software development. So... I, I'm using tools that I'm not necessarily in direct control of. So the website is in Squarespace, which is super easy to use. But I mean, I, I guess I can get in there and do my own stuff, but I went for it just like I can manage this entire site from my phone, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like after the initial setup for the account and stuff like that, it's just like, this is a hands-off thing. And this is really like a phone-based project. Like I, I think of a word, I capture it, I send it to the website. Um, the website itself is really sparse. It's just uh, basically a color blue and some text <laughs> and each of the posts, they're full blog posts, but you, you wouldn't be able to tell that from looking at them because right now they're just a title with the specific <laughs> joke or phrase. And then eventually I'll probably start adding you know, descriptions or maybe animated scenes to them or 3D scenes or videos, um, just depending on the context of the joke. But these are all jokes that don't need to be told, except <laughs> I've been collecting them for years anyway. I've got a couple hundred of them. And I'm just kind of metering them out over time. You just need to uncork the storage space in your brain that's been tracking these for years and years. Yeah. Yeah, I mainly I just needed to get it off my someday maybe list and just get them out there. So everybody listening to the show, stop what you're doing right now and go check out the website. It'll be linked in the show notes. It's mildlyamusingwords.com. If you have a Twitter account, then go follow, let me actually verify this. I think it's mildamuseword because Twitter has a character limit on their handles. Do Yeah, mildamuseword at mildamuseword. Go follow that, uh, retweet some of my jokes, please. I would really appreciate that. If you have an Instagram account, the handle is mildly amusing words over on Instagram as well. 
And yeah, please help me spread this. Please uh, provide some feedback. Let me know what you think of my really annoying sense of humor. Um, it's not quite dad jokes because I don't have kids, but it's definitely dad joke adjacent. <laughs> I, the, the big thing I'd like to throw in here is giving you some points for recognizing that this is a project that you didn't have to make a development project. Mm -hmm. One of the hardest things I've found as a software, like once you reach a certain level as a software developer, you can build custom any, almost anything you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And the temptation to just go ahead and do it. Like, well, I can't quite find what I want. So let me just make a thing just eats tons of time. Yeah. And making the decision to say, I can use existing tools for this. Let me just bang this thing out in an afternoon and done mm -hmm. is really good. And you should give yourself some points for that. Nice. Yeah. The other tools that I'm using um, each. So on Twitter and Instagram, each post comes with an image that is sized for those platforms. And those images are coming from Adobe Spark, which is just one of the little features that you get with the Creative Cloud subscription. Adobe Spark has a number of different ways of creating images and pages and PDFs and stuff like that, even video intros, like motion graphic stuff. But uh, I'm using the Adobe Spark Post app to just, I've got a couple of templates that I created, one for Twitter, one for Instagram, and then I just paste the word in there and make any adjustments I need to it. So essentially the entire brand consists of a specific color of blue that happens to be a web save color of blue and a font that I can't even remember right now. So it's obviously not that important, <laughs> but it's used on the website and it's used in the, uh, the images. And then yeah. I just and tweet the words and share, share them on Instagram and stuff like that. So, yeah. And you've written tech to programmatically build images on a color field out of mm -hmm. text before, like, yep. but it's just boom, Adobe start spark done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what it is. Uh, I feel like it's it's hard to get any kind of following for it because I think most of my Twitter account, like I've got a couple hundred followers, but I think most of them have just given up on Twitter and gone away. <laughs> so there's probably you know 20 people I interact with on a regular basis. And not <laughs> all of you have started following the new Mild Muse word. I know who you are. I've got a list. Josh. Um, but yeah, go check that out. Uh, you know, post it in places that you think are appropriate. I don't know. Like I'm not much of a Reddit user, but if anybody is a Reddit user, you know, post it there. But yeah, non-technical project from Joe. And the I did have an ulterior motive for choosing Squarespace for this, which is that I do want to have some of the... Um, Babylon JS stuff and WebXR stuff. I do want to be able to make Babylon JS scenes out of Squarespace data. And I figured having an account with an active site would be kind of an excuse to do that. Cause they do actually have a developer program where you can make third-party tools to sell in their ecosystem or to you know do more of, like on a consulting basis. So you can get access to the code, but it's it's much more like this is really finely tuned for anybody who knows to edit text on a computer can do a Squarespace site. And that, that's kind of what I went for. So just like, 
this is it's inconvenient to write code for, which is maybe a good way of putting it. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, mildly amusing words. So another project, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that this is a project, but um, something else that has been on my to-do list for about the last year is learning a little bit about React. And we have a friend named Eden who has told me quite a bit about it in many VR golfing sessions. Um, he uses it quite extensively in his work. And you know, we've I've worked with Vue for about a year now on your project and a couple of other small things, but I've never really done much with React. And I figured it was time to check it out. Um, mainly, the main reason that got me interested in React is because Babylon JS integrates with React fairly easily. You even have a React native output if you wanted to make something in Babylon JS and actually publish it on Windows or Android as a native app, there are ways to do that. Actually, I'm not sure about the Android thing. I know it works on Windows. Um, but I haven't done any of that yet. Right, right now, I'm just learning the basics of React. So I just started this on Friday. And Eden sent me a sample project with basically like an entire project pipeline with a you know, Express Server and a MongoDB database on the back end, and then using Next.js to publish the site with server-side rendering. And I've learned a little bit about that. There's some really cool features there, some really cool tooling, but I'm not doing any of that yet. Right now I'm just focused mainly on like the, the core of React of like how to actually make elements and components and compose a page and make interactive stuff. Because that's really the the heart of what I want to do with Babylon JS. It has very little to do with what's happening on the server or the back end, and just more about um, we have data, we've brought data into the client side. Now I want some kind of state machine and reactive way of dealing with that data into the Babylon JS elements in a way that will, when I update the data, those elements will update. So that's the part that I, I'm excited about. But you know, as a means of getting to there, I'm learning the basics of React and just making some simple pages and some sample projects. I, I did a course yesterday in LinkedIn Learning or formerly lynda.com. Um, my local library has free memberships available for LinkedIn Learning, which is kind of cool. So I don't have to pay the 45 or 50 bucks a month for that. So I did like a 45 minute React course of just like, here is just, we're, we're basically gonna describe the basics of each of the core concepts and then get you on your way. So I worked through that yesterday and then I've been reading through the documentation and I haven't done much with it other than make some sample projects, but I will probably try to make some stuff to run on the local network to solve different use cases and maybe reproduce some of the, the features from other apps. And then, uh, when Dave goes to sleep, I'll convert all of his view apps to React, but he won't even notice. <laughs> oh, you heard that? Oh, crap. My, my, my heart rate just went up by about 30%. It's just... You get the uh, heart rate warning from the Apple Watch. Yeah. It's, it's already hard enough digging into the view UI code and figuring out where all the pieces are connected. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> translated to an entirely different platform. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. The um, so another reason that I'm interested in React is there's another project that is on my radar that I think I'm going to make, but I'm I haven't really committed to making. And I've talked to you about it offline, but to briefly summarize, I was trying to think about what I can do for the WebXR community that isn't directly me making tooling for the community or something like that. And I thought about, you know, I come across all kinds of links for scenes I want to try. And I end up just sticking them in my to-do list. And sometimes I remember to check them out. Sometimes I don't. Um, so I thought about making basically a website to aggregate links for various VR and AR scenes that are built for browsers that, I mean, basically just think of this as like a links blog, but instead of blog posts or other kind of content I'm linking to, I'm linking to VR and AR experiences. And it would essentially be a database with a little bit of categorization and tagging and things like that. Like this, this is a VR scene, you know, I've tested it on an Oculus Quest and a Samsung Odyssey and it works with these inputs and like the database part of it would be very factual. Here's the information that I know about it. And then the other side of the project would be a more opinionated blog where I could write kind of reviews about the stuff or what I thought about it. Um, but all of this from the standpoint of consumers, this is not something I want to write for developers per se, but just, you know, letting people know that there's other content available besides what's available in the, you know, in Steam or the Oculus store um, and just trying out other stuff. So I thought about turning this into a database of just like, not an exhaustive database. I'm not trying to make a database of the entire immersive web, but a curated database of stuff that I find interesting and remarkable. And then a blog series to highlight or spotlight particularly interesting things that could go out every week or so. And my initial thought was to just do this with a WordPress site and make a new taxonomy or make a new post type for the links and you use the built-in taxonomy tools. So I spent about five hours last week doing that and I hated the result and deleted it. So um, I think what I'm gonna do instead is some kind of really simple SQL backend or maybe even a MongoDB backend. We'll come back to that in a second, but <laughs> build a, a simple database that can have everything in a you know pretty small structure. We're probably thinking less than five tables in this thing, one main table and some basically category style tables. And then have the database as like a, you know, make a very simple API to it where you can, I can, you know, use AG grid or something like that to be able to do queries against the database for the different categorization stuff and then get results back. You know, maybe show me everything that was added to the database this week type of thing or show me all the links under this category or show me everything that supports my headset. Um, and then the rest of it, I could still use WordPress for the rest of it, for the blogging stuff, for landing pages, for you know, particularly impressive sites, things like that. 
So I'm kind of leaning towards that. I mean, I could totally do all of this from the ground up, especially with learning React and Next.js. This could be a really good site for all of it. I'm just not sure I want to sign up for that level of maintenance. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, particularly with the, the blogging stuff, turning the blog into a newsletter, turning the blog into an RSS feed, turning the blog into social media posts, all of that with WordPress is a known quantity. Like it's just a couple of, <laughs> I know how to do all that stuff and I can get it all done in, you know, the first part of a day and then focus on the database itself as the feature. And I, I was initially thinking, you know, the database should have an RSS feed as well, but I don't even think I'm going to do that. I think I'm just going to make the database, you know, kind of queryable from the site, maybe make a public API for it, but I doubt it. I'll probably just make an API that I use from the site. But yeah, that's, uh, I have no idea if or when I'm going to do that project, but it's one of the things that I'm kind of keeping on some index cards on my desk while I'm learning React. Mm -hmm. Like which of these parts, which parts of this can I build with that? Um, you know, particularly AG Grid has an entire React interface. So I could, on my existing web infrastructure, make a simple SQLite database to represent all of this data. Before I did that, I would probably just do this in FileMaker for a couple of days to work out all the schema and then reproduce the schema in MySQL, make some PHP endpoints to query the data. I don't even need to do any CRUD stuff. I just basically just need to read data from the database. I can do the interface for data entry somewhere else. So I can even mm -hmm. leave that in FileMaker. Um, and you know, bring in the tables via ESS. So I just need to get data out of the database from the website. Um, so I could do that with some PHP stuff on my site. I could use uh, Next has API routes, which are basically like not quite an express server, but like a way of doing server-side API calls with the Next.js server um, in a, I think what Eden put it as a misleadingly express-like syntax. <laughs> But I, can't, I guess that can lead to some frustrations when you think you're looking at Express, but it's not quite Express. And yeah. So I could, I, I could do the, the back end with PHP or Next.js or Nux.js on the view side. Um, and then the front end could be in a WordPress site. And then I can make a, a, either a child theme for an existing theme I like, or just make a plugin with a page template that is basically going to point you know, a, basically a single PHP page that gets data from whatever those API endpoints are and loads it in some kind of table or list view. You know, AG Grid would probably be a good place to start, but maybe I want something a little bit more stylish if I want to show images and things like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I have no idea if or when I'll get to this site, but I think it could be a fun thing to do because I can, if, as soon as I've got the data in a database, I can work with it lots of fun ways. And if I keep the database separate from the rest of the project, I can make a WordPress interface for it. I could make a React interface for it. I can make a view interface for it or a Babylon JS interface or a frame interface and just have this kind of relatively simple data set as a fun way of playing with multiple UI technologies. Mm -hmm. And the cool part about all of that is that the the database and the APIs that you use to access those interface those that data doesn't have to change between mm -hmm. those. Yeah, so exactly. it can you can isolate 
those issues. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I keep coming, I, I go back and forth between, do I want to do this in MySQL or in MongoDB? And I haven't decided yet. There's some on the MongoDB column, um, each of these links could have totally different metadata, which could be really cool. So with the MongoDB is basically a document style database where we're not defining a bunch of tables and fields. I'm defining a blob essentially of JSON um, and just sticking that in there with an ID. And then when I get it out, each of those can have totally different sets of properties, which could be really fun. And you know, <laughs> I could have kind of a base table of like everything has these properties so we can use that in the, the uh, list view or the grids, but you know, more expensive, more extensive stuff for individual links. At the same time, like I could do the exact same thing in MySQL with the blob field. So I'm not sure that I need to do that, but I don't know. I ultimately I'm cheap and will probably do MySQL because I already have like virtually unlimited hosting for MySQL databases. Mm. Whereas MongoDB is going to cost money. Um, but if I wait long enough, I'm going to learn how to do all of this in Linux anyway. And I'll just host my own databases on a Linux server and not have to pay MongoDB's hosting. But yeah, that's mm -hmm. further down the line. So that's about all I've been up to. Not that much. <laughs> what have you been up to? I'm working on getting done what I can get done. Yeah. And trying to be okay with what I can do with varying levels of success. Mm -hmm. um, you know, got the new branding graphics for a proof geist release of FM perception and FM comparison. Mm. That's all, all that branding stuff's got to get updated. Um, it, does it have the, the cool gradient that they use mm -hmm. in the proof geist logo? Yep. Nice. Yep. Whoever did that logo did it. Absolutely fantastic job. Yeah, I don't know who did it, but yeah, it looks really slick. Um, by the next episode, I'll have had my second COVID vaccination, hmm. uh, though not the additional two weeks for efficacy. Hmm. So that'll be good. Um, the biggest thing I've been working on has been shutting down workflow data systems which in my head is probably, or it's probably a bigger issue in my head than I think it is. Um, yeah. I, I started workflow data systems back around April 15th, 1998. Wow. As a FileMaker consultancy and it expanded and grew and mutated and shrank and went through all sorts of weird changes. But 23 years later, uh, under the current plan to the day, <laughs> um, we're gonna shut it down. Nice. Um, and 23 years is not a bad run. Though there's also a layer of stuff in, you know, crammed in my head that at one point I had fantasies that this thing might actually outlive me. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a point in the process where I was happy with where I was and was relatively happy with where the employees were and was working on building a structure that could outlast me. And that didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, 
while I was there, I built FM X-ray specs and it's largely unknown little brother FM X-ray tables. Mm -hmm. And uh, if, if you're not familiar with those, they were the, the kind of precursors to FM perception. Um, they worked with clipboard data, clipboard, FileMaker clipboard XML rather than DDR XML. And uh, yeah, trying to figure out what happens to those. Like, do they find a new home? They're currently unsupported. But simultaneously, you know, once a month or so, somebody pops up and goes, hey, by the way, I really like FMX Ray Specs. I'm like, where did you even find that? <laughs> it's not marketed anywhere. I don't push it. it it's just this, this weird little tool that some people in the community know about and use it in its current state. I don't know. Um, or do I allow them to die and just periodically get an email from somebody looking for them? Um, and I send them a Dropbox link or something like that so they can snag it. I, I don't know. Um, part of me says, kill it off and add it to a list of things that we can either add to FM perception or make a separate tool at some point. They're, I mean, since it's a dead company, I think it belongs on archive.org. It's part of internet history. Yeah, so, but does archive.org grab zip files? No, I think you'd have to upload the files. Yeah. But the, the site's there. You could archive the software. Like this was software that was of a certain time, and now that time is over. Hmm. We, I, I totally like the idea of doing it as hidden, maybe like a little hidden adventure to go on in FM Perception next. <laughs> If you find the invisible doorway, you can walk into FMX Respects of the past. Yeah, there's a little note to check out what archive.org does with zips. Yeah, and I say them, FMX Respects and FMX Ray Tables, but FMX Ray Tables never really gained any purchase. Mm -hmm. Nobody, I mean, they're, every time somebody says, hey, I really like FMX Ray Specs, somehow FMX Ray Tables pops up in the conversation. Nobody's ever heard of it. There's, there's like five users of it, as far as I know. <laughs> I got my health insurance resolved, which is awesome because the waning days of a pandemic is not the time to suddenly find oneself without health insurance. No. Um, because my, my health insurance was through WDS and uh, no WDS, no company plan. Yeah. But... <sighs> Oh, it's just such a humongous, frustrating pain. Like I, I, everybody kept talking like this has been resolved at some level. And because I had a company plan, I didn't really have to worry about it or think about it, which has been, it's one of those things that I got a lot of relief from never knowing that I was getting the relief. Yeah. Because I was just unaware. Um contacted our health insurance broker to see what he had available and what we could find. And um, turns out that like there's Cobra, but Cobra 
own, you have to have had at least 20 employees on more than 50% of typical business days in the previous calendar year for your plan to support Cobra. Hmm. Well, we've had two full-time employees for the last five years. So Cobra is not an option. Um, there's something called state continuation, which is where I'm gone from the company and I can just kind of keep the same health insurance. But that only works if the company plan still exists. Mm-hmm. If the company continues existing, I can continue kind of shoehorning myself into it for up to like 18 months. But that's not available. Um, yeah, so I got a new health insurance plan that is substantively worse than the <laughs> Cadillac plan that I had before and way cheaper. <laughs> mm. So, you know, I, okay. Um, at this point, I'm mostly concerned about catastrophic rather than, hey, how's my day-to-day coverage? So yeah, covers the catastrophic, fine. But every time I start digging this deep into health insurance, I consider immigrating. It's just so, so horrifyingly terrible. Yeah, it really is. Um, That's the one thing about being an employee of a bigger company is I used to have really good health insurance and even dental and vision. Like I, I paid maybe 50 bucks a year out of pocket for, you know, tiny little co-pays. And one time I got a pair of $700 glasses and I paid $45 for them. Things like that. I kind of miss. But my, my insurance is basically, it will keep me from going bankrupt if something mm-hmm. horrible happens. But in terms of day-to-day stuff, it does not cover much at all. And it's just, it's, it's weird when you're closing down a company, how many weird little details there are. So there's another detail you haven't thought of yet though. What's that? The the company is closing down soon and you've been worried about not getting enough work done, but frankly, you've got to use up all of your vacation time. You're going to lose it. (laughs) I would get on that, man. You've only got three days left. Yeah. Huh. I wonder how many days of vacation I can squeeze into the next three days. Probably not much because I have a lot of work to do. There's dealing with the website and managing email stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, under the current plan, the only thing that's going to survive is going to be the domain name. And that just for email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this has been my email address for 23 years. Like 99 percent of the people that I'd want to speak with don't have any other idea how to reach me except for that. And so keeping that would be very helpful. On the flip side, it also means that I stay subscribed to all the stupid spam crap that I've gotten subscribed to over 23 years. So it would really do wonders for my email volume if I just let that email address die and let people hunt me down later. I mean, you can do what I did, which is it takes time and takes, you know, diligence, but basically change your email, tell, tell all of your friends, forward your existing email to your new email, and then write a rule that 
organizes everything from the old email into a place where you can review it. And then after a year, as long as you're following up on a regular basis, like, hey, you emailed the wrong one, email right. me here. Um, you know, within a year or two, you can generally get everybody to stop emailing the old address and then take it offline. But it's not something you can do overnight. It's just one of those yeah. things like every month or so, you've got to go review that folder. And yeah. It's, yeah. When, it's when I first got the workflow data.com email address, it only took me like five years to get my parents to stop emailing the old address. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, my current email gets three or four forwards back. So I've got a really old email that forwards to another old mail, email that forwards to another one that forwards to a personal one that forwards to the business one. So. <laughs> See, you can't, you can't draw a word picture like that without my brain rendering it in like HD. There's these, these little mm -hmm. lines yeah. of light and moving dots between nodes and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So just chasing all of that stuff down, um, the, my partner in the business is handling about half of it, give or take. So it's just juggling that stuff and trying to make sure that everything all gets done at about approximately the same time, but it's got this weird kind of Towers of Hanoi effect where like you got to get this thing out of the way before you can do the other one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess to clarify, FM perception was never part of workflow data source or workflow data, was it? Workflow data systems. No, FM perception and FM comparison and all future FM per perception stuff is completely unaffected. Okay. That's a different company. It's Hierarch LLC. Um, it actually has a domain name for hierarchtools.com, though there isn't a site there yet because publishing this software all comes through Proofgeist. So I let them be the customer facing side of this thing. So FM perception, FM comparison, not going anywhere, still in development, still doing new stuff. Well, thanks, Joe. I would have hated to get through the end of the episode and not cover that. Mm -hmm.